honor you and we exalt the name of Jesus Christ because of you and we are grateful for you and what God is going to do through you. So I want you to be encouraged. There are some of you in this room that are young, but I want to tell you something as a pastor, that I see more mother traits in you than I see in some women that have children. Mm Mm-hmm. I sure do. And so I'm, I'm going to have James 3.1. I'm under a stricter judgment right now. Uh, so y'all know what I'm talking about. And it says not many should be uh, teachers because you're going to come under stricter judgment. So some people in here think, well, I don't have a child. I, you know, I'm not this. I'm not that. Listen, let me just tell you something. You, you don't have to physically be a mother to be a mother. And, and there's some wonderful, wonderful people here that do a great job of mothering and taking care of other people. You just have that maternal instinct. I, I don't know what it is. Like if something happens to my children, you know, I like to think about you. If something happens to my children, I'm like, rub dirt on it. I don't know. It's just a flesh wound. I'm sorry your arm's falling off. Go buy a new one. I don't know. And y'all are right there like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like everything's all right. And um, I have that lovey-dovey feeling when I'm with you. You don't know about the 80s song. But anyway, I'm just... You know, and then there's me. I'm just like, um, I don't know. Can I hit you with another rock? I don't know what to say. So with that being said, also, I want to say this. Congratulations to some of you graduates in the house. Yeah. Your parents are so proud of you. And the reason why they were crying is not because you walked. They were crying because they don't have to pay anymore. And that's just, just come on, somebody. I'm with you on that one. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, there is a God. And so I'm like, praise the Lord. Because there are many days I was praying every time that bill came in. I was praying for rapture, but it never happened. So uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for y'all's obedience, following through. God is good. He is good. And he is doing more and more and more than we can imagine. So. So a lot of us think of God as a father. Jesus did teach us to pray. He did teach us to pray. We call it the, the Lord's Prayer. Really, you know, almost every scholar would agree and say it's the disciples' prayer. They, it starts out, our, come on somebody, our, yeah. And so we, here's what's interesting. I, I want to just let you in on something. Uh, God does not have human form. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's not a man, the Bible says, that he should lie. Right? He's, God is a spirit. And so God doesn't, now we describe God in man's terms. Like, can you imagine somebody from a thousand years ago and we put him in a Mustang? Right? And you, and it's, I mean, and, and you just like, and you just like rolling in it. You know what I mean? It's that GT, like my father-in-law has, it just drops down and like goes, you know? And, and so can you imagine them saying, wow, that was like 300 horses, <laughs> right? They're describing it in the terms that they know. So we describe God in the terms that we know. His, is the Lord's arm too short? We're, we're in the Father's hand. We, we describe him in ways, we put uh, a fancy word, anthropomorphic language on God. We, we describe him in man's terms, but God is not like us. And I'm thankful, because I'm jacked up. So I don't want him to be jacked up. I want God to be in some place that I am just in awe. But God also has mother characteristics in Scripture, I'm sure you're aware of that, but he's got some mother characteristics. Now, I'm not saying, say, our mommy who is in heaven. I'm not saying that. You say that, I might go, mm, strange. But you, he does. Like Isaiah chapter 49. This is not our primary text, 
but it is a segue to where we want to go. Listen, I'm telling you, I am telling you, this is what captivates my heart and what captivates your heart, and this is why you keep coming to the Lord, because this is what God thinks about us. This is what God can do, and this is why he's doing something. Isaiah 49, 14. But Zion said, Zion is another name for the high, holy hill in Jerusalem. It's the name of the place where God's mercy was seen by King David when the dude was jacked up. I told you last week, King David is not the hero of the story. Jesus is. And so King David looks up and he sees the angel there ready with the sword drawn, ready with 70,000 people already died. And he sees because David sinned. Read at the end of 2 Samuel. And all of a sudden we see mercy from the Lord. And on that very place they build the temple. Zion. God, where's your mercy? You ever felt that way about the Lord? God, where's your mercy? I see everybody else getting ahead. I'm trying to fight. Like, what's up with that? You ever, you ever see, God, where's your mercy? Like, this is the cry. This is the cry of Isaiah. This is the cry of the prophet who's looking towards the Messiah. Who's like, when are you coming? Revelation ends at the very end of the book of Revelation. ends like this. Maranatha, or come quickly. In the earth, we are calling for God to come back to his people. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. And the Lord has forgotten me. Let, me. let me just get real. If we did, look, let's, just, let's just get real. A lot of you in here, you had some great parents. Some of you in here, let me just go ahead and say it. With all due respect, you had some jacked up parents. Uh-huh, uh-huh, go ahead. Some of you don't even have an idea what it's like to be loved in the right way. And so now if you've been a parent, maybe you try to really overcompensate in that way because you don't really know, you, you, you know, you, you grew up and you weren't really felt that way. Listen, uh, all I can say is I was thankful for, for, for what the Lord blessed me, my parents, but I grew up under some World War II parents. Y'all know what I'm talking about, some World War II parents. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Children to be seen? Come on, somebody. You speak in church, you are going to get smacked in the name of the Lord. And the Lord's arm was not too short, somebody. Whew. My mother had them fake fingernails. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about, the ones that are about that long. You know, you go into Northwoods Mall, you ain't got nothing. Fingernails cut down to the quick. You come out and you're like, boom, shakalaka, it's all the way down here with some bling. Sparkly accent nails. Man, she would pinch me in there, and, and if I said one word, ooh, I was going to pray to see, let Jesus come back quick. I mean, I, I, you don't tell people you love them, because if you provide for somebody, mm-hmm, it's understood. Don't you show any emotion. Don't you show any emotion. Better not, you better not cry, because I'll give you a reason to, mm-hmm, come on, y'all been there. Yeah, somebody like, oh, sweet Jesus, we need that in some school. Boom. I, I, I told you, I told you, a, a little kid, little, little, can you imagine me teaching little kids? It would not go well. <laughs> sit down, Johnny. Johnny, you're going to have to sit down. Johnny, I said, you, you ain't my mom. 
you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> DSS. All right, so my mom would be like, here, call. Go ahead, call. Here's the phone. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all raised like that. And what was worse, my father was the judge. Who am I going to call, Ghostbusters? It was bad. He had like the police in his hip pocket. I couldn't do nothing. He hit me. They hit me. It was bad. So sometimes when you grow up like that, you think, man, does anybody even remember me? Listen to the words of the Lord, verse 15. Can a woman, so God all of a sudden begins to speak of himself in this maternal aspect. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? God is saying like this, I have brought you in and I am giving you life and we are connected. Can I forget about you? Even these may forget, and notice what God says, even though people will forget, even though your mother, your father, somebody else will forget you that say they loved you, even though these forget, the word of the Lord stands true, but I will not. What, saints? Come on. God is good. He is not going to forget you. Though your mama might walk out on you, or your daddy might walk out on you, or the best friend that you have might walk out on you, or somebody who said they'll love you to the day you die, forsaking all others, might walk out on you, there's one who will not, and his name is Jesus. Come on. Come on. Are we, do we need to drink a spark today, or what? What do we need? What do we need? But I will not forget you. Behold, I kind of like when God starts doing some carving. Y'all don't know, y'all are like, what, sculpting here? What are we talking about? Behold, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Can you imagine? Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. The very God who placed every star in the sky and who named them says, I have your name written on me. Every time I see the scars of Jesus, it reminds me of the love that I have for you. I will not forget you when everybody else will drop you. God will always be there for you, and he will never back up. And let me tell you something, his delay is not a deny. It's a test of our faith because when he comes, guess what? Everybody's going to back up, even us. Because there's only room for one person when he shows up. And it's the king of kings. So he has us engraved on the palms of his hands. He says your walls, the Jerusalem walls, the, part, the places of intimacy where God meets with people, your walls are continually before me. We have been written in the palm of his hands, or as Revelation would say, the Lamb's book of life. We are forever and ever connected with God. And that is something for us to shout about, glory about, praise God about, and never step back up about. I'm telling you, but here's what happens. Listen, when the gospel, see, this is why I'm so captivated by the gospel. So because of this, we, we are there with Christ. Romans 10 says, blessed are the feet. You, you know, sometimes when I, when, I, when I come walking up to people, sometimes on this campus, <laughs> sometimes off this campus, it's interesting. I might be walking this way, they duck that way. <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just, like, dodgeball. Like, it's a, ooh, minister, right? <laughs> Get away from me. 
right? And so what happens is, but with, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting about that. Blessed are the feet. Though people might reject where we're going, God anoints where we're going. Blessed are the feet who proclaim the good news of the gospel. Blessed are the feet who announce the gospel. So in Isaiah, that's a, that's a passage in Isaiah chapter 52. So just three chapters later in, in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7, here's what it says. You'll see it up here. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet. Notice he's seeing mountains. Why does he say mountains? What's interesting about mountains? Mountains are to be seen. They're in places where, where things are proclaimed. My eyes look into the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth, the psalmist said. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, the place of intimacy, the place where God meets us because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of that place, it says this, your God, what saints? So I was reminded, and I think even John Piper said this, but I took two words, that the gospel is not just the place where we proclaim Jesus is alive. The gospel is a place where we proclaim Jesus has authority. Now that was good, because here's how it's going to play out. A lot of people come, Jesus is alive, Jesus is alive, but we've, we don't see a lot of places where Jesus has authority. We don't see a lot of people's lives where Jesus has, has authority. We see a lot of people say, oh, I want to pray to Jesus. Oh, Jesus is going to make it right. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Rub the Bible. Boom. Jesus pops out. He's a genie. I need my three wishes. I need health. I need wealth. And oh, don't let my grandmother die. Right? I mean, that's what it is. You just rub the Bible and some, say a magical prayer. Rub it up, dub. Thanks for the grub. Yay, God. All of a sudden, calories are gone. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't work that way. It's not just a place where he's alive. The gospel is not just a place where Jesus is alive. The gospel is a place where Jesus has authority. The gospel is a proclamation where our God reigns. And so today, we're going to lock in on how he reigns. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Uh, I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but I want to come with, with a demonstration of the spirit and the power in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that your Holy Spirit would move in such a mighty way, Lord, that there could no, no one in here could deny that God showed up. That is our prayer today, Lord. We don't need some pop psychology. We don't need some pithy little statement. We just need Jesus to show up. We need the presence of God. We need the reigning king of kings to show up today. Because when you reign, everybody else bows down. And so I'm praying today that you would reign. Lord, your word says in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, I come on the authority of your word because your word is your presence. It says about people that don't know you, it says if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So Heavenly Father, you promised us in Ephesians 1 we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. But I'm asking you, Lord, for a filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you, Lord, to fill this place with your presence. I know that you're here. I know your presence here. We welcome. We invite. We do all those things, Lord. But God, you have to do it. 
You have to do it. So, Lord, we just, we just open up and say, Lord, have your way, Lord. Like the old hymn would say, have thine own way. Mold me and make me. Master, I pray. So, Lord, we just hold on to you today. We look to you today. We worship you today. And so, Lord, take all my sins that are ever before me as you've washed them into the sea of forgetfulness and continually wash me in the blood of Jesus as we preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Lord, you will do it in great and mighty things you have done. So we ask all this in the King of kings and Lord of lords. And all the saints said, what? Amen. So what do I mean by this? I just want to say this statement. I want to say this statement. Piper said, I just want to read this. The gospel not only includes the truth that God is the creator who is alive today, but it also includes that he is the king of the universe who is now in Jesus Christ exerting his authority over us. So the gospel is not just that God is alive through Jesus Christ because he is resurrected from the dead. The gospel is we preach to ourselves every day that Jesus has authority over us. And when he has authority over us, that means he has authority over every situation. And it gets me so excited. It gets me so excited because whenever and wherever we go, we are releasing the presence of Jesus Christ. He said God's sovereign, his sovereign rule is essential to the gospel. Isaiah foresaw the day when he says, your God reigns in Isaiah 52. Isaiah foresaw the day when God's sovereign rule over all things would break into the world in a more open way and bring a blessing for the people of God. So where we go. Our jobs, our families, our friends, whatever we're doing, schooling, whatever it is, whatever it is, where we go, we don't just come with Jesus in our lives. We come with the authority of Jesus over our lives. And so whoever is above our head, as the old statement would say, is under his feet. So today we come with this authority of the gospel in our lives. And what does that look like? Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. You can check it out here before we get into our text. It says, now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee. Here's this authority, checking this out. Preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, repentance is I'm turning my life back to following Jesus Christ and wherever he goes, he has authority over. So he's going to go into dark places. I will be the only Christian, some of you, in my family. I will be the only Christian, some of you, at my job. I will be the only Christian, some of you, and the people around me. But here's what I want you to know. God is not limited by numbers. If there are more people that don't know Jesus, that's just a greater showing that Jesus is greater than them. God doesn't need numbers. He only needs himself. People say, well, he did a lot with 12. God could have done a lot with none. Last time I checked, when he went to the cross, everyone had ran away. And there was only one left to be faithful, and that was Jesus. That's so we don't have to match ourselves to Peter. We don't have to match ourselves to Paul, who was jacked up, by the way. We don't have to match ourselves to John. We don't have to mass match ourselves to Matthew. We don't have to match ourselves to anybody in the gospel. We just have to surrender to Jesus Christ. That is what makes it different. Because, 
when we are believers, we walk in authority, his authority. So in other words, as Piper said, the reign of God is broken into this world to set things back to right. Though children get sick, the family members get sick, God is still over authority over death. In a world so full of brokenness and sin, he said, there simply can be no good news if God doesn't break in as king of kings. It's not enough to say Jesus is alive. Come on, somebody. It's not enough to say Jesus is alive anymore. Jesus has got to have authority. And so I'm so drawn to you because I see Jesus having authority over you. And then what I mean by that is this. Is that, uh, yes, I could take this job and make this more money, but I'd rather follow Jesus because his presence is more satisfying than my bank account. Uh-huh. And the presence of Jesus is more satisfying than the love of this person who will drip me away from Jesus Christ. The, the, the presence of Jesus is more satisfying than what everybody else says I should do with my life. All I need to hear is from Jesus. And everybody else's voice has no weight compared to his. That's what I mean by authority. And we walk in places and people go, weirdo. But at the end of the day, God says, well done. See, I don't have to listen to weird when God says good. It depends on what voice you listen to. So here's what I want you to say. So here's the main idea. Here's what we're going to wrap our minds around today. The re- so for all these people graduating, all these people with our families, and you might be thinking, well, I, I, this situation and my health is this, or I, I, I really am not mother here or there or whatever else and all this stuff. We got all the, the effects of sin that, that, that causes problems in the world. I want you to know something. The resurrection gives us courage because it reminds us that God's got it. And that's it. God's got it. He's got you. He's got I because he is a God of authority. I want to lift Jesus up not just as him being resurrected. I want to lift him up today as king. He's got it. I don't know what to do next. He does. Well, I just, what do I do? Guess what? You do the last thing God told you to do. Well, that just, John, that's done. Guess what? God's getting ready to break breakthrough. Listen, you and I both know, especially, come on, saints that have walked with Jesus a long time, come on. God always takes us to the valley. I don't know anybody in Scripture that didn't go through a valley. I don't know one in Scripture that I go back and I look through. I don't know what, I mean, Abraham, 25 years, somebody, uh, God says, instead of being Abram, I'm going to call you Abraham. Instead of exalted father, oh, the world might say you exalted father, which is kind of a mockery. How's he exalted father? We ain't got no kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of a mockery. And God says, you're going to be the father of nations. God took him to a whole nother level. Bigger level, bigger devil. All of a sudden, he's really struggling. For 25 years, he's got to wait. King David's got to wait between his an, a, anointing with the oil and his appointing as king. There's years in time. But see, that, all that is, it's just like Paul. Paul in Galatians 1, where did he go? He had to go in the desert. Somebody, I just want you to know today that God's got it. Uh, Romans chapter 1. You say, well, John, where you get all this? I'm gonna, look, this is, I, I think God just laid it out. I can't even get past the first verse in Romans. I, in fact, I love Romans so much, I named my kid Roman. That's just a true story. Jacob, or his real name is Joaquin, but you know, people can't say that. You know, they be going, Yaki. I'm like, no, that sounds like a loogie. I don't know what that means, right? No, it's Joaquin, Roman. Love that. Love the book of Romans. Verse 1, and here's our primary text. Here's what we said in today. Paul, 
Paul just comes out. Paul. I'm like, ooh, you getting ready to say something? Paul, a slave. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying today. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news. Right there shows you God's got it. Let me show you why. Let me show you why. Number one, Paul, a slave. This means, this means God's got it because by the resurrection of Jesus, he breaks open our position. Paul, a slave. Who am I? Slave. The greatest question we can ask today is, who am I? Right here, right here, I want you to show that God's got it. God's got it because in, in Jesus Christ, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he gives us our position. Watch this. He says, called as an apostle. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows us our appointment. Oh, this is really good. And then in the last part, and singled out for God's good news. Oh, by the way, the resurrection shows us our purpose. Right there in those verses, he gives you position, appointment, and purpose. Position, appointment, and purpose. In that, he says, a slave, who am I? He says, uh, look at this, called as an apostle, what am I supposed to do? And then he says, look, singled out for God's good news, why am I doing it? Right there, he just gives you his life. God radically, in Acts 9, saves Paul, and he goes to his Position, appointment, and purpose. Everything right there. He understood. What you need to do with your life and why you have breath is all wrapped up in the gospel of Jesus. That's why I said God's got it. He's not just going to make you alive. He's going to exert himself as king over your life. And by the way, when he exerts himself as king over your life, that means he's the king over everybody else you're around. Because the last time I checked, every knee will So how does God got it? First way God's got it, the resurrection breaks, uh, uh, breaks open our position. Look at verse 1. Paul, a slave. Paul, a slave. This answers the question, who am I? And some of you, we, we think a slave, and immediately, immediately we go to the heart. Y'all know I was raised by an African-American woman anyway. That's why I get so loose. Y'all, y'all ain't been to certain churches. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, this and this one lady, she used to go to Summit. She was at a church, and let's just say that the praise and worship lasts for about two hours, Robbie. Your fingers would be bleeding. And she said, they kept saying, Holy Spirit, show up. Holy Spirit, show up. She said, listen, it's about 1 o'clock. If he ain't showed up, he ain't showing up. <laughs> I like that. So what's interesting here is what I'm saying is slave has a bad term. But in the Bible, it actually has an interesting term. It's the Greek word doulos. See, here's what happens. Here's what it's happened. It's, it's, remember, a New Testament point always has an Old Testament picture. All right, so what I'm trying to say is that is in Exodus 21, verses 5 and 6. So Romans 1, 1 says, Paul, a slave. Paul, a doulos, a, a, a bond slave, a, a servant, if you will. Here's what it says. It's the picture of Exodus 21, 5 and 6. This is right after the Ten Commandments, right, in Exodus 20. In 21, verse 5 and 6, the Bible says this, but if he, if, but if the slave declares, I love my master, my wife and my children, I do not want to leave as a free man. 
His master is to bring him to the judges and then bring him to the door or doorpost. His master must pierce his ear with an awl and he will serve his master for life. In other words, here's what it is. In other words, what the slave was saying is that my master has set me free and I can go free. But the love of my master, the life of my master, the beauty of my master is so much more worthy, is so much more beautiful, is so much more pressing in my life that I would rather leave my freedom and cling to my master somebody. I would rather cling to Jesus. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. That's what Paul's saying. Paul, he's like, man, I'm a slave to Jesus. He's so good. His freedom is so good. His love is so good. His grace is so good. His mercy is so good. Why am I going to walk away from that? But you can't walk with Jesus without a mark. So his ear was pierced in the Old Testament as a sign. You can't walk with Jesus without a mark. Jacob tried to wrestle with God, and God left him with a mark when he touched his hip, and he walked with a limp. You, you, can't, you can't walk with Jesus and walk the same as we did before. And so what happens is the Lord steps in, and the mark that we have, the Bible tells us, is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit to be drunk in him. If you think beer to liquor never sicker or liquor to beer never fear, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> I'm talking to Summit people. I know where. Listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we were the ones who not only threw the party but broke everything at the party. We're talking Summit. That's why I love Summit Nation. I love this. But what I'm saying is if you think that certain things can change us and give us liquid courage or double turn double turn for the older people I just want you to know that's, that's, you're high and drunk at the same time I just want you to know I'm, bre I'm breaking you into a little snapchat language telling some stories what I'm saying is is that if you think man made substance can take you to a new place you haven't tried the Holy Spirit yet. Because when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, you don't care what other people think. Mm. And that's a mark. So I'm just going to let that, no other position will satisfy. Nothing will satisfy. There's not a job that will satisfy you. There's not a relationship that will satisfy you. Hey, just talk to some people that have been married in the room for a while. You say, I just need a baby. If I just had, if I had my baby next to me at night, ooh, look at you every day is a new day. Wait till they get older. People get wrinkly. Things change. Older people in the room, y'all know, we know what we're talking about on that. We know, but see what happens is, what happens is, the, as the body gets more wrinkly, the heart gets more beautiful. So we begin to love people not about their outside, but we begin to love people about their inside. 
And that's what makes, that's what, that's people's metabolism start going together. You start getting married 50, 60, 70 years together. Boom, when one dies, you normally see the next one not go long. You without dying, why? Because, I mean, their meta, their whole metabolic systems are tied together. It's interesting, right? I mean, it's, it's powerful what can happen. In other words, no position will satisfy. Nothing will satisfy you. Oh, now I'm married. Now I'm this, now I'm that. Nothing will satisfy you like Jesus. That's what I'm trying to say. It's only through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can get our position. It's only through him and nothing else to satisfy. And look who we are. We're a slave to the one who gives grace. We are a slave to the one who gives grace. Look with me in verse 4 of Romans 1. And who has been declared to be the powerful Son of God by the resurrection from the dead according to the Spirit of holiness. Verse 5, we have received what, saints? Grace. The position we're in always means we get grace. The power to do what God's called us to do in a position of save that we don't ever deserve. So our identity is always secure. I don't need to go looking for a new identity. Though my strength may fail, my God never. My identity, I don't need someone to tell me who I am. Listen, you don't need any of your friends in high school to tell you. You need some God swag. Right? We're always worried. It's all about being popular. Let me tell you something. When Jesus is the popular heart of your life, you don't care what popular people think. And, the, and talk to the old people in the room. Some of the people that were real popular in high school, when you look at them now, mm-mm. Oh, Lord, please let me go out with her. 50 years later, thank God I didn't marry that. I'm just telling you the truth. Second way God's got it. The resurrection gives us our appointment. Look at Romans 1.1. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle. I got the book. Called as an apostle. Look right here. Right here. Jesus breaks open our appointment. If you're looking what God is calling you to do, just walk with Jesus. I promise you, he will open up the door where there is no door. He will open up a window when everything seems shut. God will make a way when there is no way because just like there was no way to be right with God, God sent Jesus. God will send his son to do only what his son can do because we can't do it. This is our calling. This is what do I do with my life language? Called to be an apostle. What is, look with me in verses 5 and 6. We have received grace and apostleship through him to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations. On behalf of his name. And look what he says, verse 6, he's talking to us, including yourselves who also belong to Jesus by calling. In other words, there by calling, the word calling in Greek means to be summoned by God to an office of salvation, to be summoned by God. God is going to summon us to the very place that he is calling us to do for his word and for his grace and for his name's sake. He's going to call us to that place. Or as Romans 1, 6 might say in another version, New American Standard, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. You see, if I don't go with Jesus Christ, I can't be the called of Jesus Christ. 
So it starts with salvation. It starts with me surrendering to Jesus' call. Come, follow me. And I've got to surrender to realize that I am wrecked in my sins and I can't fix it. But when I surrender to him, when I surrender to the calling of God, now I'm called by Jesus. And where Jesus goes, man might shut, but God knocks it down. So you say, well, I'll never get ahead here. Is that you or is that God telling you? Because if you're saying it, last time I checked, you weren't resurrected from the dead. It's only God. And when God calls us to something, let me tell you something, you get a little bit of, I told you about that swag. You get a little bit of, you get a little bounce. More bounce to the, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. God, these songs are so good. Verse 15, Romans 1, 15, let me, let me show you what his call as an apostle. Let me show you what Paul would say about his calling. It wasn't like he woke up every day going, Lord, this is torture. Take me home. Rapture, rapture, kill me, please. That's not what God was saying. When God calls you to something, by grace, you have the power to do what he's called you to do. The more time we spend in intimacy with Jesus, the more it will burn in our heart to do what God wants us to do for Jesus. I promise you. The key to fulfilling what God wants us to do is not by trying to put our hands to it, it's trying to, but allowing his hands to be put on us. Verse 15, so I am eager. Oh, Listen, I can't wait to get up here and preach. The highlight of my week is to be with you. The highlight of my week is to be with you. I'll say it again. The highlight of my week is to be with you. Because together, I know that if you were this wild for Satan, come on somebody. If you and I, we can all go back to our past. If we were that wild for Satan, that now, that same fire gets turned and directed toward Jesus Christ Woo! Even the gates of hell, even the gates of hell are going to flee. Because I know what you'll do. You'll take on hell with a squirt gun. Get an image, people. Lots of fire. Be standing right up in it. Because you'll say this, though he slay me, yet I'm going to love him. Verse 15, so I'm eager to preach the good news. The word eager there means a readiness, a willing. Are you ready? Are you ready? Sometimes God hadn't called you to your call because you're not, mm, yeah, y'all starting to flow a little bit. Sometimes people don't get called because they're not ready. People get ready. There's a train coming. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. All right, so eager, there's a readiness. There's a willing. When you're ready and willing, God's going to do something. And that's why I love it, verse 15. He says, so I'm eager to preach the good news to you also who are in Rome. There's a readiness. I can't wait to get there. There's a willingness. God, I'll do whatever you want to do. Why? Right, look what he says there, to you also in Rome. And then he says in verse 16, for I am not what, saints? I am not ashamed of the gospel. The reason why he's not ashamed of the gospel is he's not embarrassed by the gospel and he's willing to do whatever the gospel wants him to do because where Jesus goes, his love is better than life. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
So you're, people that are ashamed, when they're ashamed, they're not willing. And that's why you can say we're not ashamed. When, listen, I'm, I'm talking to you. You're in school. If you are ashamed in the gospel, you are not ready to serve the Lord in the gospel. Because ready people are willing people. And willing people are not ashamed. And what happens in this world is we walk around in shame. We walk around in shame and we let shame dictate us. But it's interesting, the gospel says, I am not ashamed. You want to know why? Because when Jesus Christ has forgiven us of our sins, there is no shame. Jesus took all of our shame. It was put on him at the cross. He was slapped. He was mocked. He was abused. He was beaten. He was made fun of. Everybody abandoned him. All the shame in Genesis 3 was put upon him so we can walk in no shame because we walk in the name of Jesus Christ and what God has already defeated we walk in victory Mm -hmm. that's what I'm talking about that's why there's no shame there's no shame going to Peru people say you crazy you crazy you crazy let me just say what they they might say that about you but God's saying well done well done well done there's no shame in the gospel when the gospel is being proclaimed so somebody in this room has got to be willing somebody in here has got to be ready and so I feel like my responsibility today, and look, Robbie, can you come play over me? Because I, I need like some prophetic air bending, spirit music changing stuff. I want to challenge our readiness today. I feel like that's what the Lord wants us to say. The hardest thing I ever did was not surrendering the gospel. I'm going to let you in on my life. We're going to land this plane. Y'all ready? Because don't get too sleepy on me. We're getting ready to eat. And if you fall asleep, I'm showing up at your house. And I'm going to eat your food. Jesus is the bread of life. Give me the carbs, Lord. What I'm saying to you is this. The hardest thing I ever had to do was when my wife and I were in seminary. And we had to make a commitment. And we walked. We walked forward. Man, the guy challenged us. And I was just eaten up with conviction. And, and, and the shame in my life was, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not ready for it. See, shame tells you you're not ready. But God says, come. Woo! Did you feel that one? Because I did. See, God just says, come. Because it's not about our readiness. It's about he's, his readiness. And he's already ready. He's already perfect. He's already got it done. It's just us being willing. So I want to challenge us today, wherever we are. You say, but John, man, I'm 30 years in this job. What do you mean by being ready? What I'm saying is this, is are you ready to do whatever God calls you to do? Because you don't know what he's going to call you to do. He might pick up and move you to another job. He might pick up and give you a promotion. Or he might do the one thing that you dread, and that is to tell you to stay. The one thing you don't want to do. Because it's easy to fly like an eagle. Are you trying to play that? That was pretty good. I'm just kidding. My point, <laughs> he's terrible. Oh, that hair. Anyway, so my, my point is, is that We walk in the readiness of Jesus, not in the readiness of us. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I love 1 Corinthians 1.18, one of the first scriptures I ever memorized, Robbie, when I just got crazy for the Lord. You know, that was when the Holy Spirit moves in, you just go, whoo, whoo. 
The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Unsaved acts, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a contrast. It's a comparison, as the old preacher once said, right? Because when you're drunk with wine, you do things you wouldn't normally do. But when you're drunk in the Spirit, <laughs> you do things you wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a contrast. It's a comparison. And so what happens is, is that is, am I willing to step into the readiness of God? Are you willing? Are you willing to say, I don't care what people think about me in school. I don't care what people think about me. I, listen, you've got to get to the point you don't even care what your own family thinks about you, which, by the way, those who love you the best hurt you the most. Luke 4, that's a whole other sermon. They tried to kill Jesus when he said, today the Scripture's been fulfilled. And they tried to take him and push him right off the cliff, right in his own hometown. Those who know you the best can hurt you the most. Mm-hmm. Come on, that's a good word. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. The people that say they know you, just because they physi- physiologically know you, they don't spiritually know you. And only the one who created you is the one who really knows you. I knew you before I formed you in the womb. Mm, come on, somebody. So all I'm saying to you is this today is this, is that are you ready? So the hardest thing that I had to do was walk forward, my wife and I, and we said, God, wherever you call us, you call us to an Aborigine nation, a tribe, we're going. You, you call us, you call us to the coldest place in Kyrgyzstan. We're going. You call us to the most lonely village. We're going. But today, Lord, we have to make a statement. I am not ashamed of the gospel, and I am eager to be with Jesus wherever Jesus may go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so wherever he leads. Come on, somebody. I'll what? I'll go. Are you ready? Or are you going to live in shame? I didn't spend enough time with God. Just too many sins in my life. Listen, that language is devil language. Devil language. Devil language is don't follow Jesus because I, 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 I. The last time I checked, God didn't need I. He just needed him. In him we live and move and have our being. In him. In Ephesians, right, that you talk about over and over. In him, in him we were predestined. In him, in him we're new creation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In him, Jesus is the righteousness that we get. His righteousness imputed to us. It's in him. So today, are you ready and willing by the grace of God to do what God has called us to do? There is a fire where we are not ashamed. And I want to just say this as John Piper said, shame comes from what man thinks, not what God thinks. So today, what overcomes shame? Grace. And I want you to know that God's readiness, pool of grace, his treasure of grace is so deep that our sins can't do anything to limit what he can give us. I'll show you. Now, here's why I'm landing the plane. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you can put that up, I apologize. Thank you, Brandy. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Some of you already know this passage, and you've known it well because it's been a prayer. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Here's what I want you to ask. Do you need God's grace today? Come on. 
They, if you, you're graduating, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Parents are like, I'm losing everything. I don't know. I just want you to know it's only by the grace of God that we even have breath. It's only by the grace of God that we only have life. It's only by the grace of God that we'll even have tomorrow. So I might as well just own up and say it's by his grace that I've got what I've got. Verse 9, when Paul was Paul had weakness. He had a thorn in the flesh, and it was tearing him up. Paul's begging God. Can you get rid of it? All right, let me modernize it. You think you're ugly. You think you're weak. You think your boss is too big. You think your bank account's too small. You, you think your sickness is too far gone. You think your life is past you, and you only have a couple years left, and what does it matter? It's somebody else's turn turn to step up. God didn't even like that language. Verse 9, but he said to me, my what, saints, is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. When we say, I can't because of sin, it is a shameful statement to say that to Jesus Christ. It's his grace that's sufficient for what I can't do, only God can get the credit to do. And so my wife and I said, wherever you lead us, we're scared. Wherever you lead us, we're not sure we want to go. Whatever you're telling me to do, I don't know how it's going to happen. But I just want to say this to you today. As a spiritual mile marker, God, wherever you lead us, we'll go. And so many years ago, in Wake Forest, North Carolina, my wife and I got on our knees with others around us and we said, not our will, but thy will be on earth as it is in. Our weakness doesn't matter. God's got it. God's got it. Father, who needs your grace and weakness today? I pray they'll get up out of their seat, come and kneel. If they're physically able, I pray they'll come. If they can't, Lord, and they sit there and they want to raise their hand, and elders and deacons and prayer warriors, and they don't even have to be a member at Summit. We're, we're believers. They'll come and pray over you. Lord, I pray they'll just raise their hand right now and people flock to them. I pray for people that need to come in here. Lord, I need some grace. Lord, I just need the grace to overcome what's next. Who am I? What do you want me to do? Why am I here? If it's answered all in Romans 1 verse 1, then God, answer it for me because you're no respecter of persons. And if you did it for Paul, you will do it for me. Right now, I pray that we will claim your word that doesn't return void, that we will stand by your word because your word is strong. And Lord, I pray that we will walk in your word because your word is everlasting. God, I pray today that you would flood this place. Let us get real, Lord. I know some people in here say, well, it's, you know, I don't come here often. I, I, my church home is back in Georgia. My church home is in Florida. My church home is in the upper state. And my church home is in Virginia. My church home is, Lord, Lord, it doesn't matter. We are the body of Jesus Christ and we are one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
Lord, I pray today, since we are one body, Lord, please, who in here needs your grace? My power is made perfect in your weakness. It's in our weakness, Lord, that people see how great you are. Who needs today to say, Lord, I will do whatever? Who needs to move into a state of readiness? What somebody in high school or middle school or Lord, whatever their age is, retired, needs to move into a place of saying, I am ready and my retirement is not about me. My retirement is about you. Who needs to move into that? Lord, there's a bigger day than Mother's Day. It's called a resurrection day. And we celebrate it today. Who needs to move? God, I pray that your spirit would move mightily. Come on, Jesus. Lord, as you anoint, as you anoint Robbie in leading us and singing powerful prophetic words and Christian powerful words and song over us and saints that are in their seats that need prayer. God, we don't have to be members to pray for one another. We're already bound by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, if there's someone here today that has never received the position of saved, oh, I wish I had time today, Lord. Position of being a saint. And because the Savior is not the S on their chest, but the sin is the S on their chest. And so, Lord, all they can do is feel shame and feel regret and feel pain and feel hurt and heaviness and burden. And you said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I pray today that they would realize there's no sin that Jesus cannot defeat. And I pray today that in the middle of their sin, they would see a Savior who can only make it right by His blood. And today, they would surrender their lives to Jesus. Lord, eat them up in their seats. Eat them up. Eat them up. Make them restless. That they would surrender to you and be bold enough to say, I surrendered. I called upon Jesus to save me. I believe he died and rose again. I want to turn and follow him. I don't even understand repentance. I don't understand grace language. I don't understand that, but I know I just need Jesus, Lord, and I pray they would move towards being discipled. They'll let us know, God, do something miraculous that only you can do. Give us victory. We call upon you. You're not deaf, and you're not blind, and I praise you. You are not mute. Come quickly, Jesus. Answer us today. Flood this altar. We'll stay whatever we need to do, Lord, for your glory in Jesus' name.